So let's just do a recap. We're going to pull some things out. And I think you will fully begin to understand the power of praying in other tongues. You know, we started out talking about one is the Holy Spirit within and the other is the Holy Spirit upon. Um, the Holy Spirit within is for salvation. The Holy Spirit upon is for power. One comes within you. I shouldn't say one. The Holy Spirit comes within you in order to recreate you. Then he comes up on you in order to empower you. In the Old Testament, the prophet told Saul, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes up on you, you will be turned into another man. You go back and read that story. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, it gave him abilities to do things that he could not do. In Acts, I'm just going to go over these four right quick, just read the, through these right quickly. Um, to prove to you that the Holy Spirit within is for salvation, Holy Spirit up on is for power. Uh, Jesus also said it another way in Scripture. He said that the, uh, that, uh, the Holy Spirit would be within you a well of water, and then he said it would flow out of you like a river of water. You know, and so in Acts 1-8, every single time, now these are just a couple that I pulled out. Every single time in the book of Acts, you see someone praying in other tongues, connected to it is a phrase that says the Holy Spirit came on them. So in Acts 1-8, this is Jesus actually telling the disciples what was going to happen. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, up on you, and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Acts 2, 3 through 4. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. You need to notice to be able to explain this to people, your relatives, your friends, etc., other Christians. Acts 10, 44 through 46. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. In Acts 19, 6, it says, Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Y'all got that? Okay. You have the Holy Spirit within for salvation, and you have the Holy Spirit up on for power. When the Holy Spirit comes up on you, you then have the ability to speak or pray in other tongues. Okay. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 19, this is actually like an all-inclusive, one-stop shop type of message where you can send your friends and email them, uh, like a little balanced message on praying in other tongues. It is foolish. Speaking in tongues, tongues sounds foolish. It sounds crazy. And God created it that way. First Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose or chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So God is a master at taking things that the world calls as foolish and then using it to bring down the very thing that they think is important. Tongues does sound foolish. It seems foolish. It is you, <coughs> excuse me, it is you praying a language that you never learned and you don't understand. It bypasses your mind. Paul said in scripture that when I pray in the spirit or pray in tongues or pray in my heavenly language, all three mean the same. 
He said, when I pray in other tongues, he said, my spirit man prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. This is the reason why when you pray in other tongues, when you, when you pray in English, it's happening really, really fast. But when you pray in English, you actually have to think about what you're praying about. So your mind is involved. That's the reason why when you pray in English, your mind doesn't wander as much as it does when you pray in tongues. How many know when you pray in other tongues, man, your, man, your planet will take you to the next universe then over to Hawaii and then back to your job and back. It'll take you 30 years into the future, 40 years into the past, and then come back right this moment with a, I mean, it's just crazy. The type of things I told y'all, some of y'all remember, some of y'all heard this when I was praying in the spirit one time on my knees. And uh, what is that song? The priest come out at night. Who was that by Rick James? I mean, the, I'm praying on my knees in tongues. <laughs> And that song came right, I knew that was the devil, came right into my head. Next thing you know, I done went from praying in tongues to singing the priest come out at night on my knees to the Lord. And it wasn't until I heard myself singing this, I was like, where did this come from? I was like, you know what, the devil got me today. Okay, you got me. I'm going to give you kudos on that one, bro. Okay, so, but your mind does not understand because it's beyond intellect. It is unfortunate that we live in a society where men reduce God down to what they can understand. And that's like an ant saying that humans don't believe because he can't add two plus two equals four. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 14, two. <laughs> it says, for one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit, he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Okay, so when you are praying in tongues, you are praying secret truths, you are praying special wisdom, you are praying supernatural formulas for the locking and unlocking of things, and it is way beyond your comprehension. Matthew 16, 19, it says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So I wrote this down earlier so that you all could uh, have this. But one of the keys of the kingdom, one of the major keys, there are major keys and minor keys, one of the major keys of unlocking the kingdom is praying in other tongues. Without praying in other tongues, you won't have the ability to unlock most of the kingdom. you only only be able to unlock a small amount. Uh, this is a statement that you can take a picture of or it'll be on the media page. Praying in tongues is a platform by which things which should be forbidden in earth are destroyed by heaven and things which should be permitted in earth are released from heaven. Okay, we'll go over that again. Okay, because he said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And praying in tongues is a platform by which things which should be forbidden in earth are destroyed by heaven. And things which should be permitted in earth are released from heaven. That's why it says you're praying secret truths and formulas because you don't know exactly what's forbidden and what is supposed to be permitted. But the Holy Ghost does. And so that's why it says, you know, the effectual fervent prayer, not the dry, mundane, looking around prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. I believe in Amplified it says it makes tremendous power available dynamic for God to use in planet earth. 
So even if you don't know what you're praying about, even if you don't have a focus on your prayers, if you just pray in tongues, it is literally you generating power for God to use, and then he can use it in the planet in order to stop things that are forbidden in heaven and release things that are actually permitted in heaven. Y'all got that? That's why he said pray without ceasing, because you give me unlimited power. Okay. Whew. Next one is God cannot do anything in planet Earth without his children's permission. That's a biggie. That blows people like, well, no, God is sovereign. Stop. Okay. People, you know what, y'all? Never mind. It's, it's, there's this thing where people are trying to make this be religious and not based on what it actually is. Matthew 6, 7, 8. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. Some Christians that do that, too. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. If he knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him, and he said, I will treat you better than you treat your own children, and you don't wait for your children to ask you, you know what I'm saying? Before you know what they need. I'm saying this backwards. You will give your children what they need before they ask if they need it. We're not talking about their desires. They want a new Xbox. But if the child needs something, you will give it to the child before they ask. Why? Because you recognize they need it. They need it. Where if God says that he's better than us when it comes to how we treat our children, then why would he just give us what we need before we ask? Because it doesn't work that way. That's why he said you have to ask. But he said, I do know exactly what you need, but you're going to have to ask. There's another spot that says you don't really know. What you should ask, we'll read that last. You really don't know what you should ask for, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you should ask for. That's the power of praying in tongues, is that is the Holy Spirit who, how many of y'all believe the Holy Spirit knows you more than you know yourself? How many of you glad the Holy Spirit knows you more than you know yourself? I mean, as a result of that, there's some things that we have asked for, and the Holy Spirit was like, nope, I know you think you want that, but you do not want that. And then every once in a while, if you press God too hard, they will let you have it to show you you should have listened to him. That is very unfortunate. But people do not understand that if you press God about something hard enough, he will give it to you. He will give in to your wishes. You read it in the Old Testament. The God, it's amazing how God, <laughs> Christians had his bad. The people of God always had his bad. The people of God said, Lord, we want a king. We want to be like the other people in the planet. And the Lord said, I don't want you to have a king. They said, no, we want to be like everybody else. Quit trying to be, y'all, be your own leader. Quit trying to follow other people that's going to take you into the abyss. There's a reason why sometimes people have what they have at that moment. Sometimes they have what they have at that moment because of their disobedience. Other, other times they have what they have at that moment because that's the only reward they will ever get. Okay? But they said, we want a king. And so they pressed God so hard, he said to the prophet, now tell them one last time, if they get this king, this is what he's going to basically do to you. Basically is he's going to rape you, pillage you, take all your kids' stuff, and give it to his servants, and he's going to make all your ch children slaves. And guess what the people said? We don't care about all that. <laughs> we just want a king. That's how, that's how stupid envy is. You look at what somebody else has, and then you determine yourself worse by what they have. Quit looking at other people, you all. Just had a conversation with somebody the other day. No matter what your lot is in life, you're going to always see somebody that looks better than you, has more money than you, has more status than you. And sometimes that person with the money and the status and the fame, which they can switch shoes with you because they don't have a family and you do. 
That's why the Bible says not to compare yourselves one to another. Why? Because that is not wise. Matthew 9, 37 through 38. This is the B part to that. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. Let me ask you a question. Any of y'all read the scripture in the Bible where it says it's God's will that all men be saved? Then why won't he just go and send his own workers out into the field? Why, why is it that we have to ask him to send people into the very field where he wants people to get saved? You would think if God's heartbeat is souls, then why do we have to ask him to speak to people? Because he can't do anything into this planet unless his people ask. And we don't know how to ask. That's what's so powerful about you asking. And that's what's so powerful about you praying scripturally. At, this is probably going to be about two, maybe three more sessions. And at the end of it, I'm going to show you how to pray perfectly when it comes to English. There is a proper way to play, pray in English, not just bless them, Jesus. Okay? That's, no, that doesn't fly. He blesses them, and you don't even know what he blessed them with because you don't even, you just said bless them. You know, get, I mean, you have to be specific with God, but there's a way to pray the word in English, which is perfect, and then you pray in tongues, which is even more perfect, and you get everything and then leave it in the hands of the Holy Spirit and exercise faith and run around the building until it shows up. You know how y'all like to do. Okay? So, but I'm trying to get you to understand that that is what is so powerful about praying in other tongues is that you don't know what to ask. He said, you got to ask. Now, they gave certain specific things to ask for. Okay? Pray that God will give you your inheritance of souls. Pray that you will uh, send laborers into the harvest. If you lack wisdom, ask God specifically for wisdom about that particular matter. Fill me with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Give unto me boldness. You can't pray for faith. Okay? You can pray for boldness. Um, and so there are certain specific things that they have said. You can pray all of these things in English, um, and then we will do that thing. But when it comes to all of the other stuff that you just have no control over, y'all, you got to pray that stuff. That stuff is science. Wait till y'all see the little cool graphic we put up on our media page now for the tongue series. It's a uh, picture of a person. You see stuff coming out of her mouth, but it's all formulas and equations. Yeah, it's kind of sweet. All right. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 14, 4. We're going to look at it from two different versions. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Same passage from the Amplified Version. He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself. Just giving you a few different things that praying in tongues does. That word edify, it literally means to build a house to erect a building, to restore something by building, to rebuild, to repair, to establish and promote growth in Christian wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, and holiness, to grow in wisdom, piety, and boldness. Because when you pray in tongues, you're building yourself up into the image and stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was full of wisdom, he was full of humility, and he was also full of boldness, all three. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to take scriptures and turn them into pictures when it comes to the word. Because no man doubts what he sees. You can doubt what you hear, but you can't doubt what you see. So the Holy Spirit's job is to turn scriptures into pictures. So as you see what the word says, then you will believe what it says because you see it. That's why when you talk to somebody and you don't understand, what do you say after you understand? Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, It's because what you see in your mind, not what you hear, is what you see. <laughs> and no man doubts what he sees. 
And you never see things as they are. You only see them as you are. So always remember that. I'm sorry, I kind of got, <laughs> I told you it's going to be just me kind of just poking around in the pool. So I'm going to say it again. Is that that's the Holy Spirit's job is to turn scriptures into pictures. Because that's why the Bible says, don't be like a man who looks in the mirror and he sees himself. But then when he walks away, he forgets what he looks like. That's why you have to spend enough time in the word where you actually see it long enough where it sticks even when you walk away from it. So when you walk away from it, it's still there and you walk in what you see, not in what you just confessing. Okay, so it's what you see and no man doubts what he sees. You doubt what you hear. Okay, and yes, faith does come by hearing. But when you keep hearing, 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 it actually produces the ability to see. And then when you see it, then you, you believe it. You can see it without seeing it. Y'all got me? So, and remember that. That's very, very important. Is that you never see things as they are. You see them as you are. And that's what's so frustrating about growing in the Christian faith. Is that the situation actually stayed the same, but you changed. So, so as you change, you begin to see reality different. People who don't change, they see it as the same. When actually, it's that, that they, they never change, so they don't see anything for what it is. Okay? But as you begin to increase in wisdom, as you begin to increase, and the Lord opens up your eyes, you begin to see things differently. And that's the most frustrating thing, is to see things differently and other people don't see it. And that's, that's the frustration for me as a pastor is, is uh, you know, as, like I said on a prayer call, there are some people that think that when the Lord comes back, he would actually promote their agenda. No, that's some straight blindness right there. Y'all remember that guy in the Old Testament? You know, he was at a war, and an angel showed up with a sword, and he said, are you for me or for my enemies? He said, neither one of you fools. I'm here because of the Lord. <laughs> Lord in Scripture, he said, man, both of y'all are poverty. I'm not here for you or your enemy. That's the one thing. When the Lord shows up, he's not for the Christian or the sinner. He's for the truth. So you better remember that. Okay? So edify means to do all of those different type of things, to build up, to build up. There are things God has for you. But they are according to his size, not your size. Therefore, therefore, you must come up to his size in order to receive the size of the plan that he has for you. I'm going to read that again. There are some things that God has for you. And whatever God has for you, it is not according to your size. It is according to his size. That's why most people never find out what God has for them because they never get into this platform to be able to edify themselves. Remember what the scripture says? In order to erect and build yourself up to the size to be able to handle what God has for you because whatever God has for you, it's not according to your size. It's according to his size. Therefore, you got to build yourself up to that size to see the size of the thing that he has for you. I mean, he would have never told me in a million years. It would have never happened if you told me I was going to be preaching in front of a congregation. It would have been, you know, we always say, the devil is a lie. I would have been like, the devil is a lie. God is a lie. You is a lie. Everybody is a lie. Ain't no way in the world. Not Oakley Turnbow. Mm-mm. When I met my wife, I was an extremely shy, nervous individual. I was bold when it came to what I knew, but I was shy amongst other people. If it was two people sitting right here, you would have to call. In Detroit, the Bama Lance, <laughs> not the ambulance, the Bama Lance. You'd have to call it, caught him away. He didn't faint it. I mean, I was extremely just nervous. 
little did I know all of the praying in tongues was turning me into another man. See, it made me bold unconsciously um, because of that time in prayer. Why? I was building myself up, building myself up, building myself up because my plan, asked my wife, when my wife and I dated, she asked me a question on the first day. She said, you know, I like the ladies. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? I said two things. I'll be ushering at this church and I'll be working for the city of the Detroit Water Department. That's what I'll be doing. It's a good job. The benefits were wonderful. Ladies like the benefits. It's cool. I'm going to be here. Got this job out of high school. It was supernatural. I'm going to be here. She was like, oh, okay, cool. That was my size. But I had to build myself up over time, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, day in, day out. Did not know I was erecting myself into something in the spirit to be able to house the actual size of the plan that God had for me. I had to build myself up to receive it because if it had gave it to me when I was a small size, the thing would crush me and tear me apart. I wouldn't even believe it because I was too small. You had to build yourself up. And that's why most, a lot of people, they don't receive big things because it's not that God doesn't want you to have them. It's that you're not big. You got to be big enough to receive this thing. You got to build yourself up. And that's why there are some things that are so big, you got to build yourself up for years. <clears throat> And then watch this. And then the same thing that you did to receive it is the same thing you got to do to keep it. Because if you don't do the same thing to keep it, you'll start shrinking in size. And that big old size thing will begin to crush you and swallow you. That's why if you're not committed, look, you either want your plan or God's plan. But when you, got plan, you, want, when you want God's plan, you got to be fully committed to it for the rest of your life. Or that thing will swallow you. And then the devil come in, he'll overrun you too. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Okay, Luke 4, I'm sorry, Luke 5, 4 through 6. When he had finished speaking, and this is a, this is a, this one here is the most difficult when it comes to praying in tongues in order to capture it because it's the unknown. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Notice he said the deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night doing our thing and we haven't caught anything. Now you're telling us to go out into the deep, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets, nets begin to break. Why? Because they followed Jesus' instruction to go to the deep. And that is the main problem in the body of Christ is there is a lack of depth. We are in shallow waters. Okay? The answers to many of the questions that people have are only found in the deep. It's only found in the deep. You ever noticed? You ever noticed that uh, there are no treasures that are ever found on the top of the water? You never see any treasures floating on the top of the water. You got to go deep. You got to go way deep. So much so you got to have a special mechanism, a special suit, a special machine to go deep. You take a minute to get down there. You got to go deep all the way down to the bottom of the sea. And then you see things that you didn't even know existed. You ever notice you never see oil just sitting on the top of the ground? No oil on top of the ground. You got to do what? Drill deep. You got to go deep into the heart of the earth. Deep. Sometimes, sometimes those guys will drill for months. Sometimes they will drill for years. Drilling deep, 
deep. Why? There is no oil sitting on top of the ground. The oil, the treasure, the thing that you need for, and it's one thing about when you find something in the deep, it'll change your life for the rest of your life. You got to drill, drill, <laughs> drill deep, and then you hit oil, okay? You don't see no diamonds and gold sitting on top of the flowers on the top of a mountain. Why? Because the diamonds and the gold is where? And deep embedded in the heart of the mountain. Okay? That's why they couldn't understand Jesus. His answers were always from the deep. And he was dealing with men who their answers and understanding was from the shallow. And it's very frustrating for the shallow to deal with the deep. And it's even more frustrating for the deep to deal with the shallow. Because once you go deep, you can't go shallow again. And when you stay in the shallow, you're just scared of the deep. So you think you're going to drown. You just think it don't take all that. It's just too deep when actually you just can't swim. Oh, Lord, I didn't even mean to throw that in there like that. So I don't understand Jesus. Y'all remember that song? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Some of y'all are like, what? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. I know that because my mom taught that in Bible school. I remember because she would do it this way. Deep, she had all the kids do it. Deep and wide, deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That fountain, though, is made out of light. That fountain is made out of love. That fountain is made out of wisdom. That fountain is made out of destinies. That fountain is made out of blueprints and inventions. That fountain is made out of glory and power. But it's deep and it's wide. And if you don't want to go deep and you don't want to be built up big in the spirit, you can't get what that fountain offers. It's only going deep. That's the problem is that you got men right now. That's the, pro the main problems in the world that you see right now are not because of the sinners. It is because of the body of Christ teaching shallow things instead of deep things, teaching natural things instead of supernatural things, teaching human things and not godly things, teaching earthly things and not heavenly things, okay? Teaching normal things and not abnormal things. That's the main problem right now. When Jesus was on the scene, he taught nothing natural. Everything stopped at him and he never sent anyone to another spot to investigate anything. He had a doctor on his team and never asked his reference about anything when it came to health. Had a lawyer on his team, never asked him when it come to figuring out stuff, how do I debate these guys? How do you know lawyers know how to debate? When it came to a tax collector, when they came and he had a tax warrant. When it came to asking the man, does your master pay taxes? He was like, yeah, Jesus told him. Now, you go back and read that. Jesus had the money to pay the taxes. And he asked Peter, he said, hey, man, he asked him, a, gave him a scenario, and it meant we shouldn't have to pay these guys. You know what? And since we don't have to pay these guys, he said, I want you to think about how crazy this is. Don't teach normal. Go to the sea and throw in a hook. And the first fish that comes up will have the money for the taxes that we already have. We would have called that a waste of power. We would have said, don't fleece God. We would have said, don't play with God like that. Jesus thought this was normal. For him to have the money for the taxes, but because he didn't want to pay the money, with, pay the taxes with his own money, we're going to go find some other money and go to the sea and throw in a hook. We're going to use the supernatural to find money out of a fish's mouth. 
The first one that comes up, see, they want to use gifts of the Spirit. It's always going to be, thus saith the Lord, if you're going to have a, a wonder. Oh, God. Y'all know what I'm saying. And so that's the problem, is that right now we have what you call a mundane Christianity. Okay? One that even though they are members of heaven, want to teach everything as though earth is heaven. And Jesus, when you, you look at what mostly is being taught today, and Jesus would vomit on this stuff. You're like, what is this trash y'all teaching? What are y'all teaching? I mean, even the scripture, you know, it's that scripture in the Old Testament. It talks about the, you know, did not I say you are gods? It said the only difference between us and you is that it says at the end, it says, but you will die like men. It didn't say you will live like men. It said you will die like men. It's the only difference. And so that's the problem. So I'm moving into much, much heavier things when I come back. I'll be teaching simple and deeper things at the same time, but that's the problem, you all. So praying in tongues takes you into the deep. And when you have to drill into the heart of the mountain, y'all, it gets real boring. Same thing over and over and over again. You just hear the sound of the, you know, when you and when it comes to a mountain, that's digging. You got to move dirt out the way. It actually represents the flesh. Okay, you just moving flesh out the way. Okay, moving earthly things out of the way. Okay, you got to turn the television off. You got to sacrifice. Can't hang out with your boys. Can't hang out with your girlfriends. Okay, you're just digging, 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 digging. That take a long time. This is the deep part. You got to keep on digging. And you dig based on belief that something is going to be found, but you don't know for sure. That's the principle of digging in the deep. You don't know how far the ocean is down to the floor. Okay, sure love don't know how long you got to drill in order for oil. You just drill. You just drill. You just keep on drilling. <laughs> Just keep on drilling. It's, it's drilling into, that's the principle of the deep. You go into a void, and you don't know how deep it's going to be. You don't know how long it's going to be. You don't even know for sure it's really something going to happen, because I can guarantee you, people that were digging for gold, people that were searching for oil, and people that were looking for stuff at the bottom of the sea, well, I can guarantee you they lost hope. Some people gave up. Others didn't. But that's the laws of the deep. So praying in tongues is a platform by which God takes you into the deep. Into the deep when it comes to heavenly things, when it comes to the deep, when it comes to spiritual things. And sometimes the bigger the reward and the bigger the impartation, the longer you're going to be in the sea. You just got to keep on going, keep on going. And while you're going, oh, there will be messages sent to you from the dark side. You are the biggest idiot and fool that has ever existed. You sitting up here praying day in and day out. And after three months, ain't nothing happened yet. Mm -hmm, you think. <clears throat> Daniel 1, 19 through 20. The king talked with him, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were actually the real names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what happens when you get to the world. They re-identify you. Change your status and your name. Okay. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. How in the world can you be ten times more wiser than the same people in your field? I can understand if you say, you take a rich man, a billionaire, and say, oh yeah, he's ten times wiser than, you know, some guy who, you know, hasn't even graduated high school. 
Oh, I can understand that. But how do you say that y'all are in the same employment circles and this guy is 10 times wiser than all the rest? Yeah. And that's because of how committed they were to the deeper things of God. They were extremely committed. And this was without tongues. I'm just showing you how far you can go. This has nothing to do. Look, I was walking in this before I was a minister. That became a problem with some of the other ministers that I was around because I was getting results that they weren't getting. And as a result of that, you know, it became an envious type of thing where, well, who do you think you are? I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm anything. I was just trying to help. And it was wisdom that was coming out of my mouth and results that I was getting. And then when I became a minister, it just got terrible. It really, really got terrible because I wasn't trying to do anything. I just wasn't. But I was so strong on the inside from that time. It was just coming out and having an effect on the people. And people would just get upset. I mean, I stayed in trouble, y'all. So that's the other thing is when you get deep, you stay in trouble because all the shallow people want to kill you so they can get rid of the conviction of them not being deep. <laughs> Last two. Isaiah 29, 11 through 12. I told you it was just going to be a little recap. All the future events in this vision are like a sealed book to them. When you give the book to those who can read, they will say, we can't read it because it is sealed. When you give it to those who cannot read, they will say, well, we can't read it because we don't know how to read. This is a scripture that has to do with the book for your life, ministry, destiny. Every person is very clear in scripture that that your destiny is already written out in a book. Praying in tongues is a platform by which you begin to pull what's in that book into this life so that you can fulfill that book because you don't know what the book says. That's why the Bible says when you're praying tongues, you're praying mysteries, you're praying formulas, you're praying secret truths. At the same time, you are building yourself up deep and wide. Okay, you're, making, you're going deeper, but you're making yourself bigger to be able to handle the size of what God has for you. And the reason why you need to, see, let me say something, y'all. You know, the, you know the dumbest thing that you could ever do? Is the Lord bless you with $10 million and you think that that was actually something. That's, that's, how we're, that's what we're trained to do. God gives us a big blessing and so we stop seeking. The blessings of God are not based on you all needing it. It is based on you seeking it and exercising faith. The Bible says that all things are possible to them that believe. So some people say this is not fair, but if you can, ha you can have a billionaire, if he exercised his faith for another billion, God will give it to him before he will a homeless man who exercises faith for nothing. Because it's the laws of faith, not the laws of need. And with God, there is no limit. Everything is poverty to him. I mean, come on, y'all. He Solomon just asked for wisdom, and God said, well, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for, too. I'm going to make you not only the wisest king, but I'm going to actually make you the richest king. And Solomon was doing crazy stuff like making chairs out of ivory, then overland the whole chair with gold. I think this way. If nobody can see the material underneath the gold, then let's use some cheap wood. No, this is kingdom stuff. It's going to be pure through and through. See, that's what I like about God. He, he's not cheap. It's, it's his sons and daughters that's cheap. Talking about the kingdom. No, 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 no. Y'all, let me say something. You are not being financially responsible because you like a discount all the time. That's not being financially responsible because you want a discount. You get everything from the dollar store. You know, when I have to deal, unfortunately, when I do stuff as a church, I know I'm stepping on some toes. Now I'm stepping on some toes. No, Jesus is not reigning at the dollar store. It's just a little band-aid until you come up. 
But when I'm doing things with uh, different individuals, whether it be buying some chairs, whether it be buying equipment, whether it be whatever it is, I have learned to not tell them that I am a church. Because the moment they find out I'm a church, they go into that discount mode. I mean, I've had people, I've had the salesman get offended at me because I was trying to buy something nice for the church and not cheap. And then I have other Christians, you know, when I'm, when I'm dealing with other Christians sometimes on certain projects, it's always, well, we want to be, you know, responsible for the kingdom. It's always, you know, we got to be cheap for the kingdom. And I'm like, do y'all see any place in the Bible where God ever did anything cheap? One time from Genesis to Revelation where he said, discount it. God was always using gold, silver on clothes, folk. Gold, silver, I'm not saying we should put gold doors on the sanctuary and all times. What I'm saying is, y'all, if you're going to buy a microphone, quit trying to look for the cheapest one. I believe in, oh, okay, let's see here. The microphone that is cheap, it costs $69. The one that's going to work, and I'd have this in the, in the oh, yeah. I mean, we, we had them cheap microphones when we started in the little raggedy sanctuary, and it was nothing right. We had to redo everything. Some of y'all, when y'all were first here, man, we would be having a service, and we had those cheap microphones, and we'd be breaking, breaking one, two. We're picking up 18-wheelers on the freeway. What are they doing in our service? That's what happens when you go cheap. So I said, get them cheap microphones. These cost 500 apiece. And they're digital. I believe in saving and getting stuff that's nice. Because trying to represent the kingdom of God cheap is not representing the kingdom of God. That's you. That's not even representing the kingdom of Satan. They both do stuff expensive. You just representing yourself. You in the middle and both of them are like, no, we don't do it like that. (laughs) We don't do it like that. You know, and I mean, shh. I mean, y'all, you should really read the, there is, we are so off. You read the Old Testament and the stuff that these men did and the money that God had them spend and the gold, I mean, and the silver and the diamonds and the, I mean, one of the reasons why God came to Solomon and said, whatever you want, I will give it. How many of you want God to come to you in the middle of the night? I don't care if it's a dream, a vision, a nightmare. I don't care what it is. Jesus walked in my room. And I want y'all to imagine when God, (laughs) I'm just so upset right now. I sure wish I was Solomon Jesus. (laughs) When God comes to you and says, what you did the other day for me with that offering, coming to you, what do you want? Whatever it is, I give it to you, period. Lord, don't need to ask me no question like that. I'm sure I'm not going to get that. He's going to mm-mm. I mean, but that's, I mean, but Solomon can't, you can't, there is nothing you can ever do that God won't outdo. And there are many things that God cannot do for you until you do it first. Why do you think he had Abraham kill his only son before God sent his son and killed his only son? That's that thing again of God can't do nothing in the earth unless some one of his men do it first. I can go through the whole Bible and show you that the stuff that God was doing on the planet, he found a man to do it first. Okay, let's see if we can find a man to kill his only son. That's why you, why do you think that when Abraham got ready to actually kill his only son, that right before he did it, the angel said, stop. Now that we see that you were really going to do it, don't do it. There's a lamb right there in the bush as the replacement for your son. Because in order for God to kill his only son, he had to find a man who would kill his only son. 
It's all throughout the Bible. See, that's deep. Not, you know, whatever. Okay, so the book for your life, ministry, and destiny could be made up of 40 chapters. The Lord told Rick Joyner that, told Kenneth Hagin that most pastors don't get to chapter two. I'm just now at chapter two, by the way. You don't even know how many books the thing is made up of. Some people are on chapter two, but they think they're on chapter 40. The next chapter only opens up when you have fulfilled the previous one. And until you are found faithful at the current stage, you will be not sent, you will not be sent to the next. So, y'all, be faithful. Find out wherever you are right now. Be faithful 100% with where you are. And faithful doesn't mean you're just getting up in the morning. You know, you say be faithful, and people are like, okay, I'm just going to be faithful then. It's not a mindset, y'all. It's an action. You got to say that because people are just like, yes, I'm faithful. Y'all, you'll be surprised. It's just like what Jonathan was saying, how, how you know, he, when he's driving and he talked to people, and are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. How do you know you're a Christian? And when they tell him, that's not, how to, that's not how you determine if you're a Christian. Man, you, you'd be surprised how many people say that they're just Christians because, well, I'm just a Christian. Half of them don't even believe in Jesus. Do y'all know half the instructors in Bible school are not even, not even saved? In the seminaries? They're not even saved. That's, remember, nothing changes. Jesus told them back then. He said, uh, Jesus was off the chain. He told the religious leaders back then. He said, you know how crazy y'all are? He said, you send somebody to Bible school. He said, and when they have graduated, he said, they are twofold more the child of the devil than when they started Bible school. <laughs> Jesus, just, Jesus was off the, whoo, that dude was off the, whoo, man. When you really study, I started doing this again today, going through the, y'all, I started studying the reward system again, starting from Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, 5, and 6, all three of those chapters is Jesus speaking. And all three chapters, the whole three chapters is nothing but reward. Telling you how to get it or showing you how not to lose it. Last scripture, 8, 26 through 28. So with everything that I've shared, you understand the scripture. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. How many of you know? That's all you hear people is quote that scripture. All things work together for good. Yeah, if you pray in tongues. It's not a standalone scripture. It's attached to the Holy Spirit saying, God saying, you don't know how to pray for things as you ought to. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to ask. So we're going to give you this supernatural language, the Holy Spirit. You're, use, you're utilizing the Holy Spirit's language and he's utilizing your vocal cords so he prays through you bypassing your mind because if your mind gets involved you're going to ask for something stupid he bypasses your mind and and, and i want you to man let's read this one more time i'm sitting up here hold the microphone and the holy spirit helps us in our weaknesses 
For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. Because everything that the Spirit is praying through you, he's praying about the things that are in your heart. Concerning the future and how big it's supposed to be. And Jesus said crazy stuff like this. The entire kingdom of God is within you. That right there is insane. And the Father knows all hearts. The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads or intercedes for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Or he, let me put it this way. God knows what's in your heart. God knows that what's in your heart is also what's in the book in heaven. And the Holy Spirit knows what the book says in heaven about you. But he also knows that you don't know what to pray in order for that book in heaven to come to pass. So and and the book is very detailed and the book is very extreme and the book is very big. In that book are listed the people that you're supposed to come in contact with just to give a kind word to before you die. I mean, it, it gets so complex. It's, that's why, that's, now you understand why the Bible says praying in tongues is, mis, what? Mysterious. Okay? All mysteries can be solved, but you don't know the clues. So the Holy Spirit, when you pray in tongues, he's praying through you the perfect will of God. What is the perfect will of God? What he has written in that book with your name in heaven. There is a book with your name on it in heaven. And it has your name, and what's in that book is the perfect will of God concerning your life, what you are supposed to do, okay? You can get off track, and again, put you back on track. How many of you know if you get lost, you can be found, okay? If you go down the wrong road, you can get on the right road, okay? There's no such thing as getting on the wrong road, and you can't get on the right one, okay? If necessary, they'll come get you by helicopter, okay? So, so I'm just trying to help you understand that... Um, this whole thing of having a daily regiment of praying in other tongues, praying in other tongues, praying in other tongues. And there's, there are clues and mysterious things in the Bible like, could you not pray, for me for one hour, pray with me for one hour? You know, I always tell people the starting place is where you can get to where you can pray for an hour, nonstop, with no distractions. Okay. Now, once you get there, that's kind of the starting point where you begin to see things happening in your life you can actually tell it's making a difference in your body praying for an hour is if you concentrate not if you're watching tv playing on your phone and checking facebook you ain't serious okay you if you do it that it's like it's like driving how can i put this it's like trying to drive to athens georgia it takes an hour to get there well there's a difference if you just focus on how many of you how many know when y'all speed you focused you're going around that traffic. You're looking for what's clear up front. Do I get in this lane, that lane? You bust this lane, you bust that lane. Some of y'all praying in tongues while you're speeding and, and doing all that type of stuff. But, but, but so it might get you to your destination really, really fast. But if you drive too slow and you stop at the gas station and you, oh, look at that over there. And I would just want to peep in the window and, and, and oh, look at those wonderful dresses they on sale. I'm going to just, oh, I think I'm going to come back. And now, you know, you get to your destination two hours later. Well, there are destinations in the spirit. 
and you can get to certain destinations. They are always our destinations. If you do it for an hour, concentrate it without anything else, let your mind run crazy, you will experience the first destination, which is when you get to the first destination, your mind shuts down. And most people have never experienced their mind shutting down. And when your mind shuts down, now you have entered fully into the spiritual realm. Now you're actually in deep waters. You moved out to shallow. It takes about 45 minutes to an hour to move from shallow to deep. In shallow water, you can see all type of stuff at the bottom. You know what I'm saying? All right, who got a question? Maybe not. Y'all like, brother, you didn't have And let me say this. I can teach this until I'm blue in the face. I can teach this until y'all run around the building and tear this building down to the ground. You will not get the revelation until you do it. Go ahead. My question is about the scripture that was just up, Romans 8, 28 through 20, 26 through 28, and it talks about the Holy Spirit, um, the groanings of the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people want to say that the Holy Spirit, absent your participation, is pleading on your behalf. Mm -hmm. um, can you explain a little more through this scripture how we know that it's the Holy Spirit through us is giving us the utterances or the, the secret language or prayer language? Well, this is the thing, is that um, there are, I've heard that teaching before. It usually comes from somebody who doesn't pray in tongues. Um, because when people start getting afraid of this, they come up with a, a lot of erroneous doctrines. Some of the best teachings that you will ever hear are the teachings on why people are not supposed to pray in tongues. These are masterpieces, by the way. They, I pray in tongues, and they actually convince me I shouldn't be preaching in tongues. I mean, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Okay? So, so but, but, but with that scripture, number one, you have to remember that you don't take one scripture out of context in order to separate the Holy Spirit from everyone. You have to take it in context with all of the other scriptures that says the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He's the down payment for us. So how is he doing all of this stuff separate from us when you have other scriptures in the Bible that say that he that speaks? You, first of all, you can't even speak in tongues without the role of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who came upon you in the first place. When he comes upon you, he didn't come for a moment. He came to stay. And so that's why and that's why I do those things do those things uh, and show you scriptures in the Bible. The Holy Spirit came up on them and they prayed in other tongues. Then you also have the case of the law of the two or three witnesses. The Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word or principle be established. In other words, in other words, you can't just take one scripture out of context and say, well, the Holy Ghost prays separate from us. Well, if that's the case, then let's find two or three other places in the Bible where it says that. And it does not. But if we connect the Holy Spirit through us and that this scripture right here, I mean, if, if we watch this. No, I'm getting confused. I understand you first. The Holy Spirit is the one praying through us in other tongues. He's the one that supplies the language. So why would he be doing something separate from us? If he can do something separate from us, why does he need us in the first place? Y'all see what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it's. If, if you don't need us, then don't be making everybody do all of this crazy language and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, that's what it is. And then, you, you know, I mean, I heard all from, you know, the groanings mean, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, 
so that's just somebody who didn't know him speaking tongues, you know, and, you know, and, and, uh, and Jude 120, I didn't read that scripture. It says, it says, build yourself up praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, one uh, minister, he said, praying in the Holy Ghost is not praying in tongues. Praying in the Holy Ghost is praying with, with gumption and gusto and, and, you know, the deacon down there on the front row. That's, and I'm not saying there was anything wrong with the deacon. That's where he is, and God will respect that to a certain degree. But, but, and so that's why I tell people, why are you going to go to somebody about fixing a car except for the mechanic? Okay? So, so yes. So it's the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, yes, so it's the Holy Spirit connecting to us. There is not one other scripture in the Bible that hints at the Holy Spirit having communication with the Father separate from us. Not one. Not one. And, and you remember what Jesus said. This is also amazing. Remember when Jesus was on the earth, he said, I will only do and say what my Father tells me. He said, when the Holy Spirit is upon earth, he will only do and say what I tell him. He said nothing about the Holy Spirit saying something back. <laughs> so, so, so that's the unfortunate thing is you have many erroneous doctrines out here when actually it's just simple. Men are uncomfortable with what God has given to his children to operate at a high level. And when you are uncomfortable with something, you'll make excuses. And if you make too many excuses, you'll actually turn your excuse into a doctrine. And that's what you have here, particularly like with the wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ. Trust me. Okay. Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, they all fit that category. You got some other what we call denominational churches where I was taught it's either one or the other. You know, with, with, the, with the Baptists and Methodists, some, some of them believe that speaking in tongues is of the devil. You get over into some Pentecostal circles that say you can't even go to heaven unless you speak in tongues. Both of y'all are crazy. Because neither one of these things are in the scripture. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And the only thing after that is a period. Okay? Salvation gets you to heaven. Otherwise, the dude on the cross wouldn't have made it. He wasn't speaking in tongues. Technically, the man didn't even accept Jesus. He said, would you take me with you? He said, okay, you can come. You can come. You can come. <laughs> Because they're not looking for a reason to penalize you. They're looking for a reason to get you there. All right, anybody else have another question? Good question. That's probably the hardest, one of the hardest ones you'll get. It's the second hardest one that I won't bring up right now. Okay. But if not, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do more because I'll, I'll say this. And if, you, if you have a question, just shoot up your hand. This is just me saying my last statement. Oh, go ahead. Uh, just one question I had was about, I think, the first, one of the first scriptures they showed where when the disciples were able to speak in tongues, it talked about the tongues of fire. Hmm. Uh, and I've seen that um, some congregations experience that, some people experience that. Is that a level you can get to where you actually experience that? Is there some significance to that? You know what? It's just mysterious. It's, there's this thing that, that falls over into, I think it because it was the first time God was trying to make a statement. Um, but... But I, th it, but I think it falls into the category of there are different experiences based on different things. I mean, we've seen people that, I mean, you get them filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, like when I was ministering in the quarry, we just sat on the front row. We just repeated the prayer and you just start praying. Then you, you have other people, they start praying in tongues and they fall out. You know, there are other people, they, I mean, it's, it's just different for every person. 
And that's the mysterious side of it, no different than healing. I mean, you'll, lay hand, I mean, you'll pray for somebody and you won't feel a thing. And the pure person will say, my age disappeared. Then you'll pray for somebody like a headache and the God knocked them all the way back to the fever. I mean, it's just you have all of these different experiences and um, some of the experiences are hidden from us, but otherwise we would chase after the experience. So that's one of the main reasons why you will have these experiences, but they're not explained because God knows how we are. And when I say we, I'm talking about the body of Christ. People will chase after experiences in a second. You know, all it takes is for God to manifest gold dust in a service one time. That actually happens. And, and oh, God, it's a gold dust revolution, a gold dust revival. It's everybody chasing after gold dust now. And so, that, and so God picks and chooses how he does certain things. And he, he, what, he, what he's showing is, is, look, this is available if y'all just keep chasing us. So they, they give it to you to see what you will do. As soon as you start chasing that, they then pull back knowing that you're not ready for that. So it's so the key to having experiences like that. I mean, we've had a you know a few strange experiences. I mean, we have a lot of move of God in our service. What's, what is normal to us now is not even what you see at a conference. So it's becoming very very normal. So you're going to see, but but these experiences uh, happen in the future. There are some experiences that will n- uh, never happen with a large group. It'll only be a small group. Because God can't do it for the small. He'll, he'll wait until only the people that are in the building are the ones that are pure. Then he'll give them an experience. Then when we share the experience, all of the crowds show up. And then it never happens. So then they say we're lying. When actually it happened, he wasn't going to do it for y'all because y'all came with the wrong motive. We were just worshiping God and had the experience. And you can experience this in your own private time at home. In your personal time. You, they are wonderful experiences. I remember my, you know, my wife had an experience. She asked God for an experience. He gave it to her. Scared the living day out of her. She ran out of the room. But he gave it to her. Okay, so that's a good, good question. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Shana, right? Um, I think I have a word for you. And that, uh, I'm going to just share that. Um, that, uh, um, the Lord doesn't want you to think that you're going to get passed by based on the season that you're in with the kids. Um, that there are some things for you and your husband, by the way. But I don't know if it's based on something you're feeling now or something in the future. But, I mean, um, some things with ministry. But uh, certain things that even in your heart, but the Lord doesn't want you to think that he's going to forget about them or you're going to get bypassed because of the season that you're in. Sometimes when you're in that season of taking care of kids and that's what you do, it can seem like maybe the world is passing you by. It can seem like, well, man, you know, but, but the Lord never forgets. Just remember that, the Lord never forgets. And don't be moved by even sometimes it can feel like, well, man, my husband is doing such and such, such and such things, and, and you, you know, Husband might be used for something. You at home with a with spit up all over your clothes, you know. So embrace the season that you're in. Embrace that season of the kids, and, um, and make sure you listen to your husband in regards to when to let the kids go a little bit. Um, husbands are masters at showing women when to let go of the kids, and women are masters at showing their husbands how to run their business and their ministry. Sometimes the Lord does that, so we submit to one another. Okay. I just wanted to share that with you. I just 
kept popping up about uh, that, um, what's that song? Pass me not old gentle savior. It's old songs, man. Some of them songs, man, it's still record church. But just, I mean, just, I mean, prepare. It's, it's hard to balance sometimes and do the things you want to do. But it's a season. And, and, and mothers in that season when the kids are small, you have to embrace that season. Okay? My wife didn't think she was going to be doing anything, especially with six kids. And she did something that a lot of mothers don't do. She embraced the season and recognized this is not the season where I'm going to be able to do everything and go everywhere and feel all super sexy all of the time and all of that. It's just a season. You know, it's just a season. And so, uh, but I mean, it's some, I think it's some things that the Lord has for you all. And, um, but I don't know why he said it that way and that uh, don't, it could be for stuff that's getting ready to come. I don't know. But, but don't think, not to be deceived into thinking that you're going to be bypassed because of the season that you're in. Because God doesn't, y'all, the cream rises to the top. You know, just when it comes to prayer, fasting, and giving, God said, whatever you do in secret, I'll reward you openly. So her word is a word for us all. <laughs> all right, any more questions? Go ahead, Mike. You got a question? All right. We'll make this the last one, and then we're... Um, it's pertaining to, for example, when you're on the street ministering, mm. um, and I'm asking this because I think it's for somebody else here, what have you, or that's what I sensed anyway. But when you're ministering to someone on the street, is it proper to pray in tongues for them at that particular point in time because... We know that the Spirit of God knows the perfect will of God. Sometimes we don't know mm-hmm. the perfect way to pray for that person at that given time. So would it be improper to pray for them in tongues at that instant? Oh, I got you. Good question. Um, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, you gotta be you have to be careful with that because watch what Jesus did. Jesus prayed in tongues in private, then came out and ministered. So some of what you're talking about should be actually the gifts of the spirit, not praying in tongues. And so and so that's why we're pressing. We're going to press more over into the gifts of the spirit. You know, where you and I came from, that was not allowed at all. And so because it wasn't allowed, there can still be this like blockage and fear there to press out. I told people, hey, the best people to practice on people on the street. And what you, do, what you do is you say, can I pray for you? And what you do is you do a, pro, a prophetic prayer where you are declaring what's going to happen over them in the future. You know, Father, in the name of Jesus, I see that she's going to be blessed and you're going to increase her more and more. And as you do the prophecy like that, then the Holy Spirit will start dropping with you specific stuff. Okay. And because, people, you know, see in the church, you know, it, it's got to be perfect. You know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I got to be standing here like this. I got to have five ushers holding me in case I fall down. You know, it's got to be put. You got to put thus saith the Lord on the front of it. That is not how God talks. That's how the King James Bible is written. That is not how God talks. Thus saith the Lord. I mean, all that type of stuff in church. We care about that on the street. They don't care nothing about that. What? I'm going to be prosperous and God is going to heal me and he's going to increase me more and more. Oh, I mean, they don't care. So and the reason I say you have to be careful about praying in tongues is that I can scare people. They don't know what it is. I mean, there have been people who said, hey, you're trying, you're trying to put a curse on me? You know what I'm saying? And so you even have to be careful about when you're ministering to the person and the other person is over there on the side. To be like, what is, what is your problem? You know, I mean, the Bible says don't let your good be evil spoken of. 
And so the best way to see it is what how Jesus did it is that he would he spent his time praying in tongues in private. Then he just went out there and he just ministered to people. And the dude was fully in the gifts of the spirit all the time to the point where he would read people's mind. So that just comes in a, in, into play in regards to getting more jumping out to more in the gifts of the spirit. And you start with doing a general prayer over somebody. And as you're generally praying, listen to see is the Lord dropping one little thing and then he'll steer you in that direction. And the more you start doing that, man, you walk up to people, hey man, your social security number is this. Your mama died on October the 3rd. She was wearing a Batman costume for Halloween. Ooh! <laughs> and they give their life to Christ. I'm just telling you, that's how it is. I mean, it's some crazy gifts of the spirit is insane. So, all right, let's go ahead and stand. Thank you, O oh Lord. I am really excited because of uh, just, uh, you know, I made a statement Saturday, the more you go deep, the more you hate your typical church services because it's just, so moving over into what we're moving into, which is releasing the body to do the works of Jesus Christ, to get their reward. That's really, really exciting. Um, but it's the Lord requiring me I was praying in tongues. Now, this will happen too. We'll get over into what we call tongues and interpretation and prophecy. You'll be praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and then all of a sudden, this is the most weird thing. You'll be praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will start speaking out of your vocal cords, prophesying over you. You'll be prophesying. It'll be fluent. You'll be sitting there with your eyes wide open, and your mouth is, you're just saying this over yourself, saying this over yourself, and it's insane. He has the Holy Ghost speaking through you, uh, his divine will concerning that. So, uh, so I got to go very, very deep. There's some things that I have to, I got to go very, very deep for this next season because this season is a huge threat to hell. And so it's going to be cool. All right, lift your hands. Thank you, Lord God. We bless and honor you and give you thanks and praise. Thank you, O Lord God. Blessed be your holy name, O Lord. O God, we give you thanks. Praises be unto thee. I release a grace, O God, on your people on tonight. A grace, O Lord God, that would enable them to go farther than they have ever gone before. To go deeper than they have ever gone before. To go wider than they have ever gone before. I release a grace, O Lord God, on tonight, that as they practice this thing, they will be turned into another man, turned into another woman. They will become great. Their wisdom will increase and multiply. Their understanding, O oh Lord God, will become wide and they will be able to comprehend, O oh Lord God, complex things on a level of simplicity never received before. Thank you, O oh Lord God, that you have called us to be signs and wonders in this world. Signs and wonders, I pray, O oh Lord God, and ask, that for every person in here that practices these things, whether they just double their time, whether they just be consistent with it, or whether they press in, I pray, O oh Lord God, that you would reveal yourself unto them quickly, that you would give them, O oh Lord God, great signs and wonders, great experiences in their private time and even in this corporate time to confirm, O oh Lord God, that they are on the right path. So we thank you, O oh Lord God. Strengthen us all. We carry a great banner and a great weight this ministry, O oh Lord God, in order to deliver mankind from the plans and the purposes of the enemy, to destroy the works of the evil one, 
And it will require all of us to go deep. It will require all of us to be big in the spirit. It will require all of us to flow. It will require all of us working as a team, an unbreakable bond, O oh Father God. So we thank you, Lord God, for these things. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for them. Wake us up in the middle of the night. Bless you, honor. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We believe and receive these things in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I'll leave you with this. There are tricks to this, by the way. It is when you are praying and it is the hardest that you're jumping levels. I learned that from an African man. I never understood why Bishop Yoedipo and them, they, they go to sleep at 6 in the morning. They pray and work at 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> I got to catch up with that one. It might be a minute, y'all. I like sleep too much. And, uh, but he said, it's, it's, it's when, and, and I know it, you can't be careful because you can press yourself too far and you can get tired. It's a drain on your body. But if you get up at one o'clock in the morning, how many of you know that's the last time you should be getting up? You get up at one o'clock in the morning and go in for two hours. When you do that, it seems to double or triple your results because of the sacrifice that's added to it. See, anything that's in the Bible, you're going to get the result. But when you add sacrifice to it, it's like it doubles and triples the result. It's insane. And you got to practice with it. There's no limit. There's no walls. There are no necessary rules. You just got to do it. And those books, Benny Hinn, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, powerful book about what he did. Walk of the Spirit, The Walk of Power by Dave Roberson, about what happened when he prayed in tongues. I never want to give it away. About what happened when he prayed in tongues for eight hours a day and what happened after about three months. Insane. Insane. But you got to build yourself up. Build yourself up. So start. Start with doubling it. Try to get to an hour. You know, sometimes, you know, and, I, and I understand this. All of us can't do all this time that we're talking about. Sometimes you have to do that in a season. Sometimes you have to take off a Saturday or you have to take off a Sunday. If you go to the Saturday question, sometimes you might have to say, you know what? Today I'm getting up and I'm going to pray from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Y'all, that's, that's how you start. Okay. Don't look at somebody else. Y'all, you look at me. Oh, he do it eight hours. Yeah, I also don't got to go to a nine to five like you. You know what I'm saying? This is my job. You know, Devon is retired. I mean, I mean, you got people that can do stuff like that, you know, but don't be, I mean, it's us working together because trust me, the stuff that I do that you can't will actually help you. It will. Okay. So God is not trying to kill you. Y'all. He's just trying to get you to come up. So, all right, that's enough. I think they got